The WLEW Sports Network presents The Strong Side with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams. The Strong Side is presented by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, Thumb Bank and Trust, Thompson Chevrolet, Go Thompson, and Sure Health. Better health, better life. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by AgriValley Services. The days are getting shorter, the mornings a little bit cooler, and the sounds of the gridiron are back in action. And this time around, it's on time. Good evening and welcome to another season of the WLEW Sports Network. You're listening to The Strong Side, your home for the most in-depth discussion and analysis of football in the thumb of Michigan. I'm Clark Ramsey, your host, and join me for his 10th season as a true professional. He even has a license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hanson. Thank you, Clark. Paul, great to see you. It's great to see all of you guys and can't wait to get this season underway. For his eighth season with us as a sports editor here in County View, it's Paul P. Adams. Yeah, it's so great to be back, Dave. This is, uh, for a sports writer, this is the best time of the year. Uh, the anticipation is really high. The 2020 football campaign finished just seven months ago in the waning days of January 2021, yet here we are on the brink of a new football season. Feels good. It uh, feels great, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of quality teams to talk about here in the next uh, couple hours, so I'm ready to get to it. You mentioned that we, we ended just seven months ago, but we're starting what seems to be a normal season. Fingers crossed that we we can really go through this thing with no with none of the shenanigans that we had last year. Are you saying we're out of the woods? We're, we're, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. We must be using those data-driven decisions. Yes. The Strong Side is presented by, once again, Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Rainey's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, Thumb Bank and Trust, Community Strong for over 125 years, Thompson Chevrolet of Hubley and Wolverine Auto Brokers of Bad Axe, and Sure Health. Better health, better life. Are you sure? Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLEWSports.com. It's the preseason two-hour special as Gridiron is back in the Thumb of Michigan. side or right side you're listening to the strong side on sports radio 1021 and live and worldwide at wlewsports.com typically we would be on youtube as well for the strong side but frankly we're just happy to be on air in one piece and have a little rest underneath our eyelids so no youtube this time we will return once we get back to the playoffs with our youtube streaming as well Dave Hansen, Paul P. Adams, Clark Ramsey with you on our two-hour preseason special of The Strong Side. And it feels just fantastic to be back on air. It feels great to be talking about football in August, not September or October like it was last year. And hopefully we can push through 14 weeks of football without any stoppages, without any breaks, without any protocols or anything of that sort. Fingers crossed. Should be a good year. 
I think the most important part about that is in person. God dang, it's it's really nice to see you guys. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to a great season. Fingers crossed, uh, you know, we can do all the little things to kind of, you know, hopefully keep everybody safe and healthy. But I'm looking forward to a football season. It's way too hot out there to think about football right now, but uh, I can't wait for tomorrow night's game. You know, the one thing I noticed is I toured uh, here in county camps this year, and, and I do think that this is COVID related to last year. Uh, you know, maybe not to the virus itself, but just how how the protocols work. Numbers are down, guys. I mean, across the board, every team and really every school and almost every sport, it, it's it's alarming. And I, I think you guys will, will start to see that firsthand as, you, as you're out there covering the games. Uh, it's already USA doesn't have a JV team, and, and there's a lot of programs that probably won't end a season with JV. So that, that I think, is a carryover from last year. But everything else, very exciting. I, the word from the MHSA is I don't believe we're going to. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Hey, hi, folks. How are you? 709, not bad. We figured it out in nine minutes. Of course, technical difficulties to start out the season, but we are back on air with you uh, for a 2021 football season. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Paul P. Adams, if you did not hear the first eight minutes of the show, it sounded wonderful. Let me tell you. That's all we can tell you for. You didn't miss a dang thing, though, as we were just pretty much wasting the first five minutes of the show before we realized that we were off air anyway we are back on sorry for the issues there but regardless let's talk about the football season upcoming and let's talk about our broadcast schedule for the next nine weeks tentative nine weeks of course tomorrow the game of the week in week number one a thursday action since we are before labor day the bad axe hatchets in a greater thumb conference crossover game with the harbor beach pirates that game you'll hear on Sports Radio 1021 and WLWSports.com should be a great one to start the season off. And then week number two, next Thursday, also on Thursday before Labor Day, Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart in Deckerville in eight-player football. We shift our attention to eight-player football for a week before getting back to Greater Thumb Conference divisional play in week number three, September 10th on Friday, Cassidy at Lakers. A classic rivalry in the Greater Thumb West, and you'll hear that on week number three on the WLEW Sports Network. Week number four, Harbor Beach at Ubley. Ubley has internet in the tower, so you will hear the game as well as we will be hopefully stress-free, knock on wood, as we will be able to broadcast that game out over the airways with ease on September 17th. That's Friday. And then a double back-to-back Harbor Beach at Sandusky in the Greater Thumb East before shifting our attention back to the Greater Thumb West for the next three weeks. October 1st, Lakers at USA, followed by USA at Cass City. And then Lakers at Bad Axe, and then rounding out the regular season week number nine, Ubley at Bad Axe in a Greater Thumb Conference crossover game before we get to the playoffs. I'm already starting to think about my lines on these games, trying to get off the schneid on the uh, pick and panel here. <laughs> well, you got to wait. You got to go one week at a time, Paul. But I, I, <laughs> but I am going to jump ahead, too. I mean, there's a couple games that <clears throat> excuse me, really have my attention, and it's a couple classic rivalry games right away in week three and week four with Cass City at Lakers and Harbor Beach at Ubley. I mean, I, I don't want to deem the winner of the East and the West already, but those are two very important games for their respective conferences. Yeah, I agree, Dave. And then you, you look down in uh, week eight, 
Lakers and in, in Bad Axe and then finish up with Ubley and Bad Axe. Uh, really love the schedule all the way around. Very intriguing games. And, uh, you know, we have an idea what these games might look like, but uh, the storylines are going to change a lot between now and in, in week nine. Well, let's take a dive into, we'll go through a few eight-player teams in the local area before shifting our attention to the Greer Them Conference teams going in alphabetical order for those who are listening tonight and keeping track at home. So we'll start out with Bad Axe, Cass City, Harbor Beach, Lakers, Sandusky, Ubley, and then USA in alphabetical order for the Greer Them Conference. But right now, let's talk about the North Central Thumb League, and this would be the North Huron Warriors in the third year at the head coach position, Chad Knoblock. With a 15 and 6 overall record, a 714 batting average. Chad Knoblock coming off of a stellar year in 2020 where they went 8 and 2 in the NCTL Stripes Champions. They lost to Portland St. Patrick 12 to 34, who is the eventual state runner up in eight player football at Division 2 playoffs. North Huron, Paul P. Adams found alumni probably the most famous alumni oh no no, no. What, what's your opinion here on uh, north here this year that, but uh, uh i do know this north huron's got a, a, a ton of talent coming back not a lot of numbers um when we were cut off the air i said this is going to be a a theme that you're going to hear throughout the show numbers are down um and all these teams we're going to talk about are an injury or two from really having the, their season uh really turned upside down but when you start looking at north huron uh it starts with two players, the return of Will Case at quarterback and linebacker. This kid is an absolute, one of the best all-around players that we have in the eight-player ranks in this area and really around the state. Uh, he he came back off of injury last year in the playoffs, his first game uh, off injury. He, he scored six touchdowns. So it just shows you the kind of explosiveness uh, through the air, on the ground. And as, as a defensive player, he, he nearly won uh, defensive player of the year all, all thumb last year and then the other player that kind of goes hand in hand with him is Noah Koth. Noah Koth gets it done on, on both sides of the ball uh, he's going to be the guy protecting and opening holes uh, for that running game in the passing game and on, on defense he's another uh, stellar player but uh, North Huron's going to have to find a way to overcome a lot of the, the losses on offense. Uh, in my preview story uh, in the Huron County View uh, North Huron almost set a school record for points in a season and only played 10 games last year. It tells you kind of how explosive this offense was, but they got to replace the likes of guys like Tyler Moore and Christian Brown and a few others that uh, really carried the load. So the biggest thing that Chad, uh, Coach Knobloch wanted to find was ball carriers this year, and, I, and he believes if he can find guys that can reliably carry that ball, that they're going to be fine this year. Well, starting with Coach Knobloch, he's an excellent coach, and he gets he gets the absolute most out of every single kid he's got. But you absolutely nailed it. Will Case is the heart and soul of this offense. And I mentioned the offense because they are going to put up a ton of points this year. So they are going to be a true eight-player team that scores 35 to 55 a night, and I think they're going to do it with ease. And as long as Will Case, obviously starting with him, stays healthy. But on the defensive side, eight-player football in this area is about a couple things. Playmakers. Even if you got one, two, or three of them, your team can be dangerous at any point in time. And Will Case, especially the leader on both sides of that football, uh, on offense and defense, is even just as more crucial. Him making plays in the backfield, uh, obviously stopping that run game. I question that offense and defensive line. What are these guys going to have in the trenches? Because that an injury shows up there, and running room is going to be gone for these playmakers. Well, and, and Dave, and I, I, I did miss one of those key defensive players that is gone, Joe Weiss, who did win All-Thumb Defensive Player of the Year. He is gone. He was another guy that uh, provided protection on the offense and on defense was an absolute animal. So they're going to have to 
to to replace these guys, find a way to overcome the losses of these guys. But I think when you look at North Huron's schedule and their division, uh, they should be fine and really be able to, to get some of these games under the belt to find themselves and really get going by the end of the season. Of course, North Huron re- trying to replace Christian Brown, who had 117 carries for 731 yards and 10 scores last year, as well as Tyler Moore, 67 carries, 516 yards and 7 touchdowns. Also passed the ball 3 of 6 for one inter- win one interception for 35 yards, but also had 14 receptions for 229 <laughs> yards and 3 touchdowns. Those are the two key losses there on the offensive side. You don't replace a guy like Tyler Moore. Uh, you know, Christian Brown was a workhorse back, but you can find guys like Christian Brown who can carry the ball 15, 20 times a game. A guy like Tyler Moore, those guys don't come around your program very often where he absolutely did it all. I think he, as you would say, even did windows uh, for, for North Huron. He was that good for them. Um, so that's a, that Coach Knoblock doesn't have that luxury to have that that slash type athlete this year. So it'll be interesting to see how he restructures his offense without a guy like Ty, uh, Tyler Moore around. North Huron's first game at Burton at Burton Atherton on Thursday tomorrow at 7 p.m. in good old Burton, Michigan. Moving along down Ruth Road down into Sandlack County, the Deckerville Eagles, coached by Bill Brown now for 29 years. Over those 29 years, Bill Brown has gone 223-80, and 80, winning 73% of all games coached since 1993. Of course, he's a 2019 Hall of Fame inductee into the Michigan High School Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Eight-player run-up in 2016 and 17, 2012, eight-player state champion. And last year they went four and three, but their first year since 2013 without a playoff win. Yeah, the the first time since moving to eight player where they're bounced in the first round, and and it, you know, I don't think that's uh you know anything on their program. I think it's just that the eight player game is catching up. When Deckerville made that move in 2012, they were kind of ahead of the curve. Well, the curve is caught up, and uh, man, there are some really, really, really good teams out there. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how Coach Brown and his staff kind of regroup and get this team ready. And again, you know, that up and down start and stop season last year, it affected everybody. So now all these teams have a full summer to, uh, of, of seven on sevens, of prep time. That really means something. Uh, and, hey, you don't make the Hall of Fame by accident. Coach Brown knows what he's doing. He he knows how to prepare this team. And he's got, he like I said, had a full offseason to do so. I, I think they're going to rebound and have a pretty good season this year. I agree. And both Coach Browns have, are, know exactly what they're doing. And uh, But I think that's what really hurt them. If you kind of just you know look at the overall numbers, they still average 42 points a night. That offense did what it's been doing for the last decade over there. But giving up almost 40 on defense is so uncharacteristic. And I think that's where the, the vocal point of this offseason and preparation for this weekend has been is how do we get back to keeping teams to two scores in eight-player football, which is what they've been doing. That's, that's going to be their focus. I know they always find a way to score points, but how can they recreate that defense? That's going to be the, the X factor for this team and if they can get back and win a game or two in the playoffs. But it goes to show how tough the NCTL Stars has become with the likes of Morris. Mayville made big strides last year year other teams that have really uh improved their game they i I look at that as those teams knew they had to improve to compete with the likes of deckerville and they've caught up so now it's it's deckerville's turn to kind of say okay our competition's caught up to us what do we got to do to get that one step ahead again last year they did lose to merrill in the first round of the playoffs 22 to 66 they averaged 42 points on offense 39 on defense including 
Uh, if you recall that game in Deckerville against Mayville, where they lost 54-58, to and that is not a MAC championship football game. <laughs> this is in the thumb, folks. Uh, so Deckerville, Bill Brown, Dan Brown, always put together quite a program for 29 years now. I think even though if they do have a down year, they're still going to be competitive every single game throughout the season and will certainly make some waves. No question about it. Like I said, they, they've, they're way too experienced. They're way too well-respected by the kids. And again, they're, they're those kind of guys that get the most out of whatever kids they have. And uh, that's always an expectation there. That's that's just the bar that Deckerville has set. So fully expect them to be competitive every night. Will they go undefeated? Probably not because it's a very tough conference. But like I said, I think this team will find a way to score some points. Can that defense rally this year? That'll be That's what I'll be looking forward to watching in Week 2. Week number one, they are on the road. They're taking a mission trip of thumb football down to Auburn Hills, Oakland Christian, as they take on the Christians down there in Oakland County. Uh, That is tomorrow night, Thursday, August 26th. And, of course, you'll hear Deckerville on the airwaves of 102.1 FM in week number two next Thursday as we bring take our crew down to Deckerville. Always a warm welcome there in that booth and a cold welcome at the same time as an open-air booth. My favorite out there, as they will be hosting the Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart Shamrocks in week number two, first week of NCTL Stars competition. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll shift our attention to the Caseville Eagles and the rest of eight-player football right here on Sports Radio 1021 and com. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Typically, The Strong Side would also be featured on YouTube. However, we're just lucky to be on air, as you can tell by our first nine minutes of our broadcast tonight. So, no YouTube tonight, but when we return with The Strong Side for the playoffs, we will be back on YouTube if all things go to plan over the next nine weeks. We've talked about Deckerville, we've talked about North Huron. Let's shift our attention to the Caseville Eagles. Home of Cheeseburger, now in the past, and now they shift their attention to the football team. Sam Rogers, in his third year as the coach for the Caseville Eagles, over that time he's gone 4-20, a 166 average. Last year, and unfortunately the year before, uh, winless for the Caseville Eagles, going 0-6 last year and 0-9 in 2019. Just three touchdowns last year, and they gave up at least 50 points in each game. Tough sledding for the Caseville Eagles, but is there any sort of uh, light at the end of the tunnel? Well, yeah, the light at the end of the tunnel is the coach. Uh, Sam Rogers is a is is a good coach. I believe that. Um, obviously, zero and fifteen in the last uh, two years, you would say, well, how, how can he be a good coach? He's been able to keep the the program together. That there's no forfeits in that stretch, so he's attracting players to the program. It's just a matter of. You know, we've seen this with other teams. Confidence is low, and they just have to have some good things happen to them. They're playing in the right league. They've got matchups, and it starts this week with Ashley. Ashley's a good matchup for them. Akron Farrow on the schedule. A couple of others in the NCTL stripes. So they just need to get some things going. They're young yet, though. Very young. Uh, I think half the team is still underclassmen, so they're kind of nurturing this group along, and it's a trial by fire. When you're throwing out freshmen and sophomores to 
to teams like North Huron. When you look at a North Huron who's in the NCTL stripes, they're featuring all juniors and seniors. So there is a big maturity gap. Uh, but I think eventually, if these kids stick with it and Sam Rogers, you know, keeps that attitude positive, good things are going to happen to Caseville. Are they going to happen this year? I don't know. I'd love to see this team get a win. I do think that there's a couple of games on the schedule that that could happen for them. So, like I said, last year was just kind of a wacky year to begin with. So, uh, let's just consider last year the bottom for Caseville. So, there's nowhere to go but back up. This team's, and I think it starts with scoring some points. Like, get get some fans back in it. Like, let's get some more touchdowns going. Let's find a way to score some points. We'll figure out the defense later. You know, get the foundation going. Get the fundamentals down. And that's what Sam Rogers is going to bring. And and the kids seem to be liking it. They seem to be learning. They're very young, as you mentioned, Paul. So, uh, is there light at the end of the tunnel? Yes. The, the, it's going to take time, though. And patience and the confidence of these kids to keep showing up and working hard every day. That's part one. That's where it starts. So they're made that first step in the right direction. Caseville, their first game will be, like Paul said, at Ashley, way up north on Friday, August 27th. So not tomorrow, Friday as scheduled. Uh, that very well could have changed, knowing my luck. But uh, that is in, in Ashley, Caseville on the road for their first game. Their schedule then takes them all the way through week number nine, that Akron-Fairgrove matchup, which should be an interesting one. I think that is a win that they can get. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, the CPS is on the schedule. Uh, they're an improving team, but there's a, a competitive game for them. Uh, Bay City All Saints as as well. So I, I think there are games on the schedule. Uh, North Heron they're going to struggle with. Peck they're going to struggle with. But, uh, you know, I think there's some opportunities there. And if they could get that first one, I just think that's that would be huge for this program. And of course, 2018 they went four and five, was their, which was their most win since 2015. So there is some pedigree there to get back to winning ways. They just need to develop that program, and Sam Rogers certainly the right hands to do so. Let's talk about the rest of eight-player football now. Paul P. Adams, you're probably one of the best experts on eight-player football in the region, let alone the state of Michigan. What does this year's eight-player football schedule and just landscape look like? Well, the landscape is changing as it always is. Every year, uh, the the eight-player game gains more credibility. Uh, You know, when this thing started, I don't know, what, a dozen years ago or so? 2011, yeah. Everybody thought this was a gimmick. Uh, There was arena league football, and, you know, I was guilty of it myself. I really, you know, I looked down on it. But as more people have been exposed to the game, uh, and it's become a viable option to save football programs. We're seeing more and more and more teams. You know, I think it was last year, Climax Scott's made the move. Uh, this year, um, another huge blue blood Division Eight program, Menden, is playing eight-player football. So, and I don't know all the rest of the teams, but Menden really stuck out to me. So when you got, you know, established state championship caliber football teams like Menden joining. It, it solidifies that eight players a viable option. There's two divisions, you know, big division and a small division. And I, I just think you're, you're seeing a, uh, a chance to be competitive. Division eight and division seven are some of the two hardest, two of the hardest divisions in the 11 player ranks because everybody's been pushed down and sucked down. So when you're, when you're a small uh, 150 enrollment, like a, like a Menden is, what do you want to do? You want to keep competing against teams with 300, or do you want to you want to go down, make that move, and uh, you know save your junior varsity program? So the eight-player game has changed. The thumb was ahead of the curve for a long, long time. Deckerville, Peck, CPS, all state champions, but the you know the 
the rest of the state has caught up and it's made the eight player game in this state fantastic to watch week in and week out because there are such good competition and that's not even mentioning the upper peninsula which has become the other hotbed of eight player football absolutely but there's other states other places that have been doing different levels of football not just 11 player seven player eight player there's all different varieties of football and i guess it comes down to somebody who has enough passion to watch football like do you want to watch football or not like do you want your school your alma mater your your team do you want to watch that team play football go to an eight player game give it a shot if you haven't gone right you'd be surprised how entertaining those games are go watch a, go watch a north huron team play this year you know go watch deckerville play those guys play after after a few series, you don't even realize that it's eight players anymore. It's still the same game. It's still aerodynamic. There's a few more points tend to be scored, but the teams that win, guys that have, the teams that have had the best success, like the Deckervilles in our area, their defense is awesome. You know they they take that narrow field and they just shut people down. And it's it's the same game. I'm telling you, you just we were all guilty of oh, a was, little bit of judgment of this. Oh absolutely. my, this eight player game, but. It's no big deal now. It's second nature, and I always look forward to whatever one or two, three games we cover a year. It's always it's always a nice change of pace for us, and I always really like it. I get into great discussions with uh, with people from schools that probably eventually one day will go eight player football, and they and you, you know they 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 talking down. And I'm like, have you seen a game? They're like, no. I'm like, go see a game. Go watch a game. I'll guarantee you your your opinion of eight player football will change within the first quarter of that game. It like Dave said. It's still football. It's still hitting. It's still tackling. And matter of fact, you got to be even a better coach because you got to be more creative with the extra space that's on the field from a defensive and an offensive side. So, uh, yeah, I, I love where the eight-player game is going. I think it's only getting stronger every single year. When when the likes of, of Menden and Climax Scotts and a lot of these other schools have come down, I think that only serves to legitimize the option of playing eight-player football in the state of Michigan. One other thing I'll mention is um, sometimes – these smaller schools they may only have maybe one or two very gifted athletes and on 11 player field that player kind of gets washed away with everything else that's going on take a look at kingston just a couple years ago they had an athlete a quarterback there that was an absolute stud exactly and it just there's there's been other guys on schools that maybe haven't been as good lately or you haven't heard about in a while but he was the one that i was thinking about this time going he made a living in eight-player football. He was a stud. He, he should have won all kinds of awards, and he was fun to watch. And it, it gives some of these guys in smaller schools the opportunity to showcase their skills, their athletic ability to run, throw, catch, do all these other things that if his 11-player team maybe didn't have enough kids that day, then you didn't get to see them play. So this gives them an opportunity to showcase skills in a different set. And let me just add, you know, you're going to hear this throughout the, the the broadcast, that numbers are down everywhere. Well, when you have, let's say you have 28, 29 in a program, uh, that you know, that in an 11-player setting, boy, that puts you on the razor's edge, 15 and 14 maybe for varsity and JV. But when you're looking at the eight-player game, you've got 29 in a program, that gives you the ability to, to run out a full junior varsity program and that is so critically important i don't care what level of football you're playing at whether it be 11 player or 8 player to have a junior varsity program and let your younger kids develop against kids of their caliber and size and not be throwing like we said caseville you know freshmen and sophomores to the wolves to the juniors and seniors so it allows that that that's where the decision comes for a lot of these schools when they make that decision to go eight player it is to keep their junior varsity program intact when we return we'll take a look at the greater thumb conference the bad axe hatchets right here on sports radio 1021
left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Paul P. Adams with your two-hour preseason special of high school football. We've talked about eight-player football. Now we talk about the Greater Thumb Conference. We'll start with the Bad Axe Hatchets. We're going alphabetical for those keeping score at home and looking to maybe get a few errands or uh, chores done before your team is called. So we're going alphabetically of our local area teams here. The Bad Axe Hatchets are under a second-year coach of Cal Pokley in the Greyertham West. Last year, he went 5-3, and three, winning 62% of the games. Previously, he was the junior high coach, and he's been a teacher at Bad Axe for five years. Cal Pokley really took that program last year, grabbed it, and moved it forward down the field and grabbed their first playoff victory since 1978 when they beat Lakers 19-12. to That was their second victory over Lakers in three weeks, mind you. And then they lost a heartbreaker in Hemlock, 17-20. to What game they seriously could have won had a few other things gone their way without some injuries and everything else. But Banax certainly made it look good last year. They were co-champions in the Greyertham West. What is it going to look like in 2021? Well, they're going to be young. They're they're going they missed a, they're going to miss a very important piece, maybe arguably the best quarterback arm in the area last year in Vinny Blackstock. Uh, that guy obviously could really push a defense back and open up the running game simply with his threat to throw the ball. Uh, and and Toby McPhee obviously uh, as a, as a tackling machine on defense. So they're missing some important pieces. We know every team is, but uh, I really like the youth and they they have an underclassman. A whole class that is just they've been talking about for years and i've been waiting to see them they're going to be up this year but it starts with griffin meinhold and keaton brown those are two names you're going to have to keep an eye on they are a very important piece to this puzzle probably your quarterback running back 1a tandem so if they're going to still utilize this offense i think the offense will be fine there'll be some growing pains early the down the field passing i hope they work that in slowly but they need to utilize it I don't know how the defense is going to be. If they, if that defense shows up, I think they're going to compete with anybody in the West. Right. The defense is what kept them in games last year. They, they didn't blow teams out of the water offensively, but defensively, you had one McPhee on one side, you had one McPhee on the other side. Well, one of the McPhees you talked about, Toby's gone. Jake is back, and Jake is an absolute beast. I mean, he is a, he he looks like his you know same body type as his brother. He looks like Thor. He's got long blonde hair, which you guys know. <laughs> I'm very jealous of guys with long blonde hair. I think that whole side of the table is jealous of hair. Yes, we are. Um, but uh, no, he, he definitely fits the part. Uh, again, thin roster. Um, they are running a JV and varsity side-by-side side this year, which is good. We'll see how how long that can last. I really like Griffin Meinhold. You talked about him. I think he's going to be able to fill in. He got some varsity experience last year. He got a playoff game experience last year against the uh, Lakers. So really huge. So he's not he's not coming into this thing blind and not having played the position. So, uh, again, having that full offseason to prepare, he's not being thrown into the fire without proper preparation. But what is – what what uh, is being thrown into the fire is the entire team. Look at this team's first four games. It is a who's who. Uh, they're playing in the first four weeks of the season. Uh, they are not going to have that opportunity to kind of dip their toe in the water and, and get a little bit of momentum. And it starts tomorrow with Harbor Beach, and it doesn't get any easier as the season progresses. And now, Badax has to manage something they haven't had in a while: expectations. Um, you know, there's expectations with this team, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, uh, you in the past the expectations are, well, we hope we can score and maybe win a game. Now it's I, 
we can compete here. They proved to themselves last year, and that was coming off two four and five seasons. So last year wasn't a total surprise because they had been on that doorstep. Last year, they they you know they knocked that door down. They got that playoff win. They checked a lot of boxes off, and I do think Cal Pokley you know brought a different mindset and a different mentality in. Uh, new coaching staff that mattered. So I, I really like where this team is going. Uh, it's it's going to be some tough competition early on, but uh, you know th- this Bad X team is a real wild card to me. And uh, you know I know. We're, we're going to make our uh, picks tomorrow. I have no idea who I'm picking in this game yet. Uh, it's going to be a really good one. We're going to learn a lot about what the East and West individually looks like just by how this game goes. You, but You mentioned Keaton Braun. I am really, really excited. We didn't get a chance to see him last year. He was injured. I think he played one play. I think played two and, and I believe broken collarbone. So, he, uh, yes, you were going to see him last year. I Again, high expectations. Him and Meinhold are kind of that combination of youth. But there, he was there. He was there at every practice. That's just another year, another uh, player that's been listening to Cal Polkley and the rest of that staff. So, I, I think you're going to see a young team and I hope that they can work on expanding that offense, utilize everything they have in the playbook. Because you're right, they, they only scored 22 points a game last year. That's not going to cut it. But 14 on defense, that's a pretty high expectation. But if they're anywhere near that, this team can hang with the Cass Cities, Lakers, Reese, but it's a deep conference. They lost an absolute playmaker with Jensen Emmerich, but I think they have a wild card coming to Carlos Sageman. I, I really I I think he could fill that ro- that that void. Uh, we saw his athleticism on the basketball I was say, court. In basketball, that's what exactly his role he played last year. You know, and I I think now he, we could really see something special out of him. But losing Jensen Emmerich, man, that really hurts. But DeCarlos is gonna he's gonna ease that that loss. I think a little bit. Jensen Emmerich had a ton of speed. I thought he was incredibly underutilized. I, I thought they could have used him as a weapon in a lot more different situations, but uh, you're absolutely right. Speed is hard to replace, and, and hopefully that, that that exact person will fill that role for them and be able to push the field. There's some big plays. And Bad X's defense, like we we're saying, really kept him in certain games, especially those two games against Lakers. In week number eight, they played Lakers. They had a whole total of 179 yards in that game, yet they still won 27-6. And when they played in the playoffs in week number 10, they had a total of 105 yards, winning 19-12. to 12. Didn't they have a defensive touchdown yes, in one they did. of those a, games? A fumble grab and run by yeah. one of the McPhee boys. Yeah, so. yeah, it was criminal. I think he just ripped it right out of his hands and kept going. <laughs> so they start out on the, uh, on the road at Harbor Reach tomorrow night. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on Sports Radio 1021. Kickoff at 7 p.m. as they take on the Pirates. Last year was the first year since about 2005 that they now play each other. So it'll be good to see these two teams back on the field against each other in week number one tomorrow. That week two game stands out. Uh, that's your other co-champion from the uh, Greater Thumb West, uh, uh, Cassidy, at home at Bad Axe in week two. Cassidy wants a piece of Bad Axe uh, because they didn't play each other last year. And thank you for the segue. Let's talk about the Cassidy Redhawks now. Scott Guthrell, in his 20th year as head coach, going 106-76 over that time in the Greater Thumb West. They are the Greater Thumb Conference West co-champions last year with the Bad Axe Hatchets going 4-0, the third ever conference championship, and their third straight conference championship as they 2018-19-20 for the Cassidy Redhawks and the Greater Thumb West going 6-0, 6-0, and 4-0. Their last division loss is actually back in 2017 when they lost the Lakers 14-20, in September 22nd, 2017, a game Dave and I were at, and I do believe they lost that one right on the goal line. 
what's the Cassidy made it all the way to the semifinals last year. They lost a heartbreaker in the last moments against TC St. Francis, 12 to 13. They beat Reese Sandusky, Hemlock, Ithaca, rolled right through the playoffs up to that point. And last year, an undefeated regular season, 14 straight regular season wins now, gave up just three touchdowns in six weeks. But they lost 12 to graduation, including eight starters on offense and nine on defense. And it's just so hard then for to predict what this team is going to look like. And, you know, we're talking with some of the coaches and, and some of the parents out there, and it, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of new faces. A lot of things uh, are going to change. Roles are going to be different. They don't have, uh, you know, your, your steady Alex Perry's in the backfield. You don't have Noah Zaleski busting out big plays. Uh, guys like Bryce Fernald filled a great role at quarterback, uh, ran the ball well. But when those guys gone, who's filling all? all those roles that when you lose all of your your playmakers all of the guys who racked up touch i mean we're talking 30 touchdowns on offense it's not going to be there that somebody else is going to have to score and the all signs point to jordan mester getting a ton of work he had he averaged seven yards a carry last year what guys come in and fill the next roles the next man up theory but they're going to need a whole bunch of them so offensively i think they have enough playmakers led by jordan mester questions on defense though because it's harder to replace that side of the football one of the guys that was going to fill one of the voids at quarterback was carter patrick and unfortunately i think carter patrick's probably out for the year i mean i, I a broken collarbone uh he just had surgery this week the kids are young maybe they he, he can bounce back but later in the season but who knows but that you know there's another hit there's a guy that was going to be one of those replacements and now he got lost uh he got injured in in the scrimmage last week so that's another blow for coach Cathrell and his his crew but this team has set the pace the last uh, what for since 2017 they they haven't lost a, a a conference game since 2017. So when you start talking about the Greater Thumb West, it goes through Cass City, and until Cass City loses a game, they're still the favorite. Uh, and, and it starts with Coach Cathrell. This guy, I think, is he's a future Hall of Fame coach in my opinion. Uh, one day he will get there, uh, just like his uh, his mentor uh, Rich Jarek, who just passed away uh, recently, and uh, you know. When you have that kind of solid coaching, hey, just give the guy some players that want to be there, and he's going to figure it out. But you got to admire what Coach Cathrell and his staff have built here over the last year, last few years. Because Cassidy's always been good; they've always been pretty good. But they became elite over the last uh, three years, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, are, are there any more Perrys on the team? Uh, we're, we're, we're used to. I, I do think there's a, some younger generation. There, there has coming to be yet. some yes. more Perrys, so hopefully, uh, you know, they can they can uh, live up to that name. But uh, definitely going to be some some names that we're not used to seeing for the Cassidy Redhawks at least uh, early on, and we'll, and we'll be learning them uh, as we go. Well, as you lose Bryce Fernald at quarterback, Alex Perry at halfback, Noah Zaleski at halfback, there goes about what 2200 yards or so right there in those three uh, running backs uh, 647 for Fernald 970 for Perry and Zaleski was 643 those are some big numbers to lose but Jordan Mester 121 carries last year for 897 yards and 12 scores and that was in just 11 games this wasn't a full season when you think about it they lost three three games at the beginning of the season to pad those stats to where they normally are 897 yards is a heck of a season when you play a full season, let alone a shortened season like last year. For sure, but who's going to help him in the backfield? This is a team that still runs the wing T, and the wing T, the wing T needs three 
backs and blockers to be viable. There's never a featured back in the wing T. It's well, it's about who gets the who, you know what's the best matchup. Well, I'm pretty sure I could be running back behind Connor Herford, holding him some holes on that line <laughs> at six foot three, two thirty. I mean, talk about a beast on the line. Yeah, before you mention that, uh, you mentioned Fernald Perry and Zaleski. That's over forty touchdowns they scored in eleven games combined that need to be replaced. It's there's going to be a lot of question marks. But yes, getting back to Connor Herford, that's a guy that I want to run behind. That absolutely, but. Teams also know that. They are going to walk up to that line and go, we better put two or three on that side because they're coming this way. But you're absolutely right, Paul. It's the deception. Yes, they may have a guy that tends to get more carries than the rest, but they need to ha- believe that these other guys are going to make an impact. Otherwise, they will just lean towards Noah's, uh, to, to Jordan Mester and just t- try to take him away. Another guy that they're missing, and I think we mentioned it briefly, but a, a former all-thumb defensive player of the year, Jeremy Velasco, is yes. just an absolute beast on the, on the defense side had 80 tackles in 11 games to tell you kind of how, how good this kid was as a junior was was the best defensive player in the thumb uh, again you know we talk about all the offense that we're missing but you're you're taking a guy like Velasquez out of there uh, at that middle linebacker position that is a that's a tough tough spot for somebody to fill and, and make up that that kind of uh, production. I'm not sure what I'm going to miss more, Velasquez on the field or listening to Andy Gray, the PA announcer, say Velasquez. Oh, Andy Gray. Yeah, no definitely. No question about it. <laughs> Their first game, a tough one at Millington tomorrow night, Thursday, August 26th in Millington. Uh, they were supposed to play last year in week number one. Of course, that game was canceled due to COVID. So they are going to be facing off at Millington tomorrow night. You'll hear Cassidy on the airwaves in the regular season more than likely twice. Week number three, Cassidy at Lakers. That one is locked in. That is a classic Greater Thumb West rivalry. And then week number seven, USA at Cassidy. We always make one trip down to Cassidy's coziest booth in the Greater Thumb Conference, and it'll be good to be back in week number seven. No question about it. We could see Andy Gray in person. That's always worth the admission. <laughs> that that is worth the price of admission. Yes, sir. Uh, I should be afraid for that backup PA announcer for the Tigers. Or I think I'm going to lose to Andy Gray. Uh, well, it... <clears throat> You couldn't blame him, could you? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. It's time for a short... No, 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 I take that back. We're moving on to the next team. Who set this schedule? All right, let's move on to the Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers. C, then E. Imagine that. All right, let's talk about the Lakers. Dave Lavasseur is the head coach for the Lakers, first year at the helm. And uh, he was the defensive coordinator in 2020. He's the middle school science and phys ed teacher at Lakers. He takes over from Steve Verberg, who went 28-12 and 12 over four years, uh, who went 700 batting average over those four years. Last year, Lakers finished up at 4-3, scoring 29.5 on offense, 14.5 on defense. Lakers, though, going to be a little bit different look this year. Dave Vassar is used to running a no-huddle, fast-paced, spread offense, certainly pretty much the complete opposite of what the double-winged offense is. Defense is going to look a lot different, of course, when you have a defensive-minded coach now taking over the head coach position. That certainly bodes well for their defense, and they've got some uh, key players coming back. Now, of course, they lost 10 to graduation, including right tackle and defensive tackle Blake Smithers, Garrett Bowles at tight end, outside linebacker, Weston Bowles, their center, the list goes on, but they return their quarterback, who's now a junior, their fullback, Ethan Wisner, Zach Kretschmer, wingback, now of course running back, senior, Logan Collison Russell. The names go on for the teams and players that are returning on this squad, and they'll be facing at Flynn Beecher tomorrow night. Yeah, if you're, if you're an old school Laker football uh, fan and you want to see what you what you consider old school football, this is not going to be the team for you. Wear sunglasses. This team <laughs> is going to be fast-paced. It is going to be spread out. 
And, uh, you know, it's one thing to say that. And, I, you know, talking to Coach Lavasser, I really like – got high-energy guy, really enjoy our conversations, a couple that we've had. But it's one thing to say, I want to do this, but you have to have the personnel to do it. You can't just force – your, your offense on a personnel who can't run this. It's going to start with Connor McCain. And uh, I was at practice, at Laker practice. This kid looks the part. He's got another great head of lettuce, uh, growing, growing a little mullet. Uh, so it starts with him. But you have experienced running backs. They, like People think spread offense, and they automatically think this is just going to be run and gun and just slinging it all over the yard. Don't Make no mistake. They're going to throw the ball, but they're going to be able to run the ball Ethan Wisner is an absolute carry machine. And then you've got Zach Kretschmer. He is your he's your speed guy. And Logan Collison Russell, uh, kind of a mixed between between all of them, uh, between those three guys. Um, and then some of the receivers you're gonna hear about, uh, Tyler Hill. Uh, he's gonna play a big role. And they got a new recruit this year, and they uh, got him off the basketball team, Dylan Wainer. All ah, six yes. foot five of Dylan Wainer is going to be out there and really going to be a matchup problem for any defense that he comes up against because nobody's got that kind of that kind of size. Again, it was only practice watching him. Good hands. He can really get up and catch a ball. He's going to be exciting. So, I think this this is uh, this is one of the teams that could make one of the biggest improvements. Uh, from last year to this year if they get it all together. Uh, but they're going to have to survive the first two weeks at Flint Beecher, at Ubley. But after that, I think if they can really get something out of those two games and win one or even both of those, look out. This Laker team could be good. And Coach Lavasser has a really good track record of when he comes in, turns these teams around immediately. So I really, really like what he brings to the table. To me, this is the hardest team to figure out what we're going to get. I mean, it's it's complete one, just flip right over on its head. Everything's going to be different. I mean, I do believe the defense will still be productive. I still think they'll be very solid, well-coached, fundamentally sound. But I just, this offense scares me. I mean, they, they have do they have the personnel this year? I actually think they do. But they're going to catch some defensive coordinators off guard because if there's no huddle, there's no swapping out players, there's no change. So if your personnel's not right on first down, Lakers is going to destroy you because if you're if you're backfield heavy, they're going to they're going to run it right down your throats. And if you're too big in the front, they're going to throw it right over top of you. So that that they're going to try to create leverage, create mismatches in its own way and trust that Connor McCain can decipher that or his offense corner can decipher that at the line of scrimmage within that time frame and call that play. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, but doesn't mean that they're going to rapid-fire throw plays. They're not going to huddle. They are not going to allow defenses to make changes, and that's really the most important thing to keep an eye on. So they are going to – I wonder how does that change Ethan Wisner's style of running because it's it's fullback, old-fashioned Mike Allstott, run over you. I'm not running around you. I'm going through you. So I still think he is a viable red zone threat, short yardage threat with obvious ability to break out a run at any time. To me, it comes down to what Zach Kretschmer brings to this team because when I think fast pace, I think quick slants, I think pitches, his speed is going to what's going to blow up a war down defense. So I think he's the X factor for this offense. Lakers, of course, at Flynn Beecher on Thursday, August 26th. Last year, they started out 3-0, and but then lost their last three of their four games in the season to finish up at that 4-3 uh, and three mark altogether. 
Steve Erberg, four years, going 28-12 and 12 at that time. Of course, Steve Erberg replaced Adam Grabowskis after seven years. Lakers, they are at, at Flynn Beecher at Ubley before returning home against Cassie, a game you'll hear on Sports Radio 1021. And then they go alternate, home, away, home, away, home, away, home, through week number nine when they wrap up with Tawas. You will hear them on the air three times as of right now. Week number three, Cassidy at Lakers. Week number six, Lakers at USA. And then week number eight, Lakers at Bad Axe and all Greer Thumb West matchups. Lakers, I think you're right. One of those big question marks, what they're going to look like. But I think the ceiling is high for this squad. I also think they're going to be extremely fun to watch. This is very yeah. unique to all of us. I mean, we have seen a few spread teams be successful, and obviously the, the Harvard Beach 2012 team comes to mind when they kind of brought it out, but it was not fast-paced, and it was not passing-driven. Yes, they had the ability to throw the football, but they ran the ball from the shotgun with that dual-option uh, read zone-read type runs where you had to trust your athletes were going to read the play in the heat of the moment and run it. That's not exactly what Lakers is going to do, but that fast pace, the ability to throw the ball, quick throws, screens, all, all these deceptive deceptive plays with the higher pace is going to be a lot of fun to watch. One thing I, I think really helps with Lakers is there's not a transition with Coach Lavasser. He was on this staff last year. He was the defensive coordinator. He said he's not changing anything on the defensive side, and they were pretty good on the defensive side. They held their own. But I think that there's a familiarity with the players. This isn't a brand new guy coming in. The players know this guy. He knows the players. I think that's a huge advantage, him having that year on staff and being able to get used to the to, to everything around here. Uh, he's just trying to establish a new offense. One guy we didn't talk about is Colton... Help. Oh, Evita's. Yeah, th- that name. Uh, he, <laughs> I can't. It's just like it sounds. It took yeah. us three weeks to figure yeah. it out last year. Um, Don't worry. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm still saying it we wrong. We kind of overlooked him, but uh, you know, just a, a productive player on that defensive side. And I think he, he's going to play a much bigger role this year uh, as one of those returnees coming back on that side because you know they did lo- they lose some uh, pretty good players: Garrett Bowles, Blake Smithers, Weston Bowles. So you, you're going to need guys like Colton to uh, step up and a few others to step into some of those roles that are, that are left behind by uh, um, uh, some of the guys that were lost, but I don't think any team returns more players that we're going to talk about today than than Lakers, uh, and that's the exciting part about it. Their defense only gave up 14 points a game, so they were they were very, very good, and the expectation is, is that defense is going to be pretty darn good again this year, very close to that same number, I feel. That's going to give that offense some extra chances to really get over some learning curves because that's what it comes down to for this team. I think the defense is going to be solid. Can this new, improved, unique offense to the thumb area be productive? And if they can keep the chains moving and score some points, they don't have to be 30-second drives and score points. As long as that pace, they score some touchdowns, this team is going to be a very big threat to the greater thumb west and into the playoffs. Against Vassar, they had, what, 431 yards? I mean, they, they're able to, and that's out of the double wing when you think about it. there's I, I'm just really excited to see what this team looks like this year. Not that the double wing was boring, but it was, it was a little methodical, and it was a little bit, uh, as far as calling the game, got a little repetitive. So I'm really looking forward to if they can run the ball out of the out of the spread, out of this no-huddle look, I'm really excited to call their game. And, and that's where looking at some of their offensive stats last year, to me they mean nothing now because yeah. it, now it's just setting the bar, like how, how better is this offense than it was last year or worse, and that'll totally depend on their season. I still think their defense is going to set the pace for this team. If the offense can match it, 
they could be the favorites to win the West. It's time for a short break. We're one hour down, one hour to go. The Strong Side preseason two-hour special with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, and Paul P. Adams. When we return, we'll shift our attention to the greater thumb east with Harbor Beach, Sandusky, and Ubley, followed by USA, right here on Sports Radio 1021. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. On to our number two. We are already halfway of our Strong Side preseason special as the games begin tomorrow, Thursday, August 26th. Of course, the game of the week is the Bad Axe Hatchets at the Harbor Beach Pirates in week number one. And let's talk about the Harbor Beach Pirates. They're under the helm of Troy Shelke for his 25th year as head coach in Harbor Beach in the Greater Thumb East, going 174-81 and over that time. And last year, they finished at 4-4, four and 4-3 four, four and three with a forfeit to finish their season. They, gave, they scored 21 points a game. They gave up 22 points a game. Their first year in four years not being Greertham East champions. And they defeated Saginaw MLS 28-6 in the first week of the playoffs, but then they had to forfeit to Flint Beecher due to COVID-19 protocols to end their season. And they lost six to graduation, but one of those... Key six would be their quarterback, Dylan Kadar, going 37-71 and 71 in one interception for 682 yards and eight scores. He also carried the ball 65 times for 191 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, it's hard to replace a dual-threat quarterback because we know Harbor Beach can run the wing tee uh, pretty darn good, but they, the ability to drop into that fast pace, spread it out a little bit, and see what defenses can do in open space – you take a guy like Dylan Kadar away, and then that makes you question: Do you have that now? Is that part of the part of the playbook even useful anymore? I think it is. I still think they're going to utilize it. It may be less and less, but from what we understand, Tanton Babcock is next man up, and we've seen them do this before. They take one of their talented wide receivers, a guy who really could make plays down the field, go up and get the ball and put the ball in his hand on every single play. And that has worked very well for Harbor Beach in past history in the last 8, 10 years anyways. So look for that to be a focal point of the offense. Their running game has really lacked, and it starts with the offensive line, and then there hasn't been that special running back in the backfield. So they're really hoping guys like Caden Boynton can really step up and really go to that next level because if he does, it's going to make – Luke Woodkey's job a lot easier. It's going to make Tanton Babcock's job a lot easier. Those are your two 1A, 1B. Babcock and Woodkey defenses are going to be stopping. So whether it's a wing tee or whether it's a spread, you got to have that third weapon. And Caden Boynton, in my mind, has to be that guy. And if he is, Harbeach can compete in the East. Yeah, Caden Boynton uh, is kind of the X factor, and he's been bitten by the injury bug. There's no, there's no way get, getting around it. But as a sophomore, he showed us glimpses of what he could be. This kid was explosive. He was that kind of change of pace back. He, he you know, talking to Coach Shelkey, he's really dedicated himself in the off season. So hopefully, uh, he can avoid those injuries. If he can, this could be a kid that that really rips off some of these, you know, 15, 20 yard runs and gives Luke Wookie that up, uh, that ability to be the every down back to really carry the ball, you know, 15 to 20 times a game. Uh, to piggyback off what you said about Tanton Babcock. Uh, I, I love the this move. This year's starting quarterback, yes. Yes, yes. Um, I love the move of, of, of him being at quarterback, and, and you do probably 
you do put the ball in, in probably your best player's hand, but what you do is you take away your best threat. Uh, Tant and Babcock was probably their best uh, threat to catch a ball and to, and to do some other things last year. Uh, so that does hurt a little bit, but I think they're going to be able to overcome that. Um, so again, saw him at practice. Big, bigger kid than I remember. I think he 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 might have grown a little yes, bit. Yes, uh, indeed. Um, they definitely filled out and uh, a little bit taller. So uh, uh, definitely looking for a, a, a big season out of him. Uh, Coach Shelke's asking a lot out of him. That's a, it's a lot to ask to say. Hey, you haven't played quarterback, but come on, we're gonna we're gonna play quarterback now. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if he's the best athlete. I don't know if he's the best receiver because I think Luke Woodkey might come over and tell you something different. <laughs> but he's he is going to completely run the backfield. There may be situations where they do put him out wide with just Caden Boynton in the backfield just to try to create mismatches because we've seen him go up and get it. We've seen him run the ball transition last year and do that very well. But for Tanton Babcock, that's going to be his weapon. And then there's got to be that next unknown guy that makes those other plays that's really needed. And to replace the guys such as Mason Booms, who was the that other wide receiver that you had to respect. You know, he was lost to injury last year, but had eight catches in the games he was there. Averaged a first down every time he caught the ball. And it always comes down, if that running game is going to be good, you got to replace the guys like Dakota Deer right up the middle. Your shortstop, your center, your defensive tackle. If you can't block the middle, you're in deep trouble. So they got to replace a little bit on an offensive line. But this team has brought back some guys that really – can make this team be really, really good or be 4-4 four and four like last year. I look for them to win more than four games this well, year. Well, guy we haven't mentioned yet is Grant Smoglinski. Uh, there's a guy, there's a big body that's going to make things happen on both sides of the ball. Uh, he, As far as girth goes, he's never going to be his brother, but he's <laughs> he's every bit as tall. Not many people and, can uh, see that. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's a big, strong kid that's going to – definitely disrupt things on both sides of the ball so he he's going to have to really step up his game and play a much bigger role than he has in the past but I think he's, he's definitely capable of that and I think he will but he's going to have to understand he's going to be double teamed every play whether you know when he's when he's pass rushing or he's trying to get in the backfield there's going to be two offensive linemen he is going to have to get through and he can't be discouraged because even if he holds his own against two other guys it's one on one everywhere and somebody's not getting blocked so they have to use that to their advantage you remember late last year they tried moving him around to try to stop whatever running back was hot and other coaches just oh smaglinski's on the left side we're on the right and vice versa so they're going to try to move him around but somebody else again has to Block the other side. Has to make those plays on offense and defense. So if they can find guys that can fill those holes, they really do have a nice core of players here that's going to make them quite competitive in an Eastern Conference that really revolves around probably two, maybe two and a half teams, depending on how Sandusky can reload. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of revolves around the two orange and black teams there in the greater of the East. And one one player we did not mention, I think there's some, some key here as well, Levi Klasky. He, he was in the backfield last year. He's built like a lineman. Personally, in my opinion, if he's on the line, Harbor Beach will do well this year. If he's in the backfield, they've got some holes to fill in there. I think he has the talent to be an all-state tackle if he wanted to be, and it just all depends on how the, the whole season goes. If Harbor Beach can find the running game, I think they're going to they're gonna get back to kind of their old ways a little bit. And if you need another weapon, he could also play on the end. If he's yeah. got any hands at all, which I know he played some receiver, if he's got any hands at all, and block the best of both worlds may be an end position where he could block on plays, set the tone on the edge, or slip out there and create a mismatch and go catch a football. He doesn't have to. Kid. You don't have to catch fifty passes to be great. 
eight to fifteen passes. That's a couple a game. Those those couple catches make defenses look at you and game plan for you. Again, opening it up for Babcock to use his legs to throw the football. Luke Woodkey, Caden Boynton's job becomes easier. So you can spread the ball out and make other guys more useful. It's that much harder for these defenses to scheme. Two players, I think, that uh, could be wild cards this year. Uh, both athletes, Shea Woodkey and Jace Knoblock. Jace Knoblock is a tremendous baseball player, uh, pitcher, so right right from the start. You, if you're a pitcher, you're athletic, he could be a wild card. Shea Woodkey as well. You know, these, these could be the guys that we might be able to hear about. And, of course, uh, tomorrow night, the game of the week, Harbor Beach hosting the Van Axe Hatchets Thursday, August 26th. Last time they played was in 2019. Harbor Beach won 41-14 to in Maddox, I do believe that one was. And you'll have three coverage games early on in the season here. Week one, of course, Badax and Harbor Beach. Week number four, a classic, the Gridiron Backyard Ball Brawl, excuse me, Harbor Beach at Ubley. Internet in the booth there, so we should be good for our broadcast in Ubley. And then the following week... We apparently don't like our eardrums, and we're traveling to Sandusky. Harbor Reach at Sandusky with that siren about six inches away from Doug Cole in the booth there. But that will be really those two games right there. Harbor Reach, Ubley, Harbor Reach, Sandusky. The only game we're not covering there is Ubley, Sandusky. Really decides the whole greater than East. No question about it. Uh, unfortunately for the rest of the East, there's not a whole lot to talk about. They just haven't had any sort of luck getting going. They're sub-500 teams, and it's really revolved around these three teams. And not to spoil the next one, but Sandusky lost a ton. Ubley is very young. They lost a couple core players. And Harbor Beach, as we saw, lost their quarterback. So all these teams have important places to fill. Which one can get off to the fast start? Because these Eastern Conference matches are coming early in this in this schedule. Sandusky. All right, Paul, do you have something else to share there? Okay, all right, moving along. Sandusky, Paul Adams, speechless, amazing. Sandusky Redskins. <laughs> I <would> go there. <laughs> Sandusky Redskins. Well, we love you, Paul, don't worry. Craig Jacobson is in his ninth year as head coach at Sandusky in the Greer of the East, going 49-28. and 28. They're, of course, last year's Greertham East champions, going 7-1 overall. They scored 38.5 points on offense, gave up just 14 on defense. In 2020, last year, they beat St. Charles 54-0 in the first week and then lost at Cass City 12-14 in week number two. And the third straight year, they've lost to Cass City in the playoffs. They have 11 losses to graduation, including eight offensive and eight defensive starters. And they're losing 1,954 yards rushing the ball last year. 75% of their rushing game has graduated in the hands of Zach Franzel, DeLorean Wedge, and Lucas Feehan. Oh, this team, uh, you could go to commercial and come back and still be reading the important players that are not going to be returning this year. And that's really the question mark when it comes to Sandusky. As a matter of fact, I I ran into Coach Jacobson, and his answer was, well, we're going to look a little different. And and, and, yeah, it's hard. (laughs) What is a guy supposed to say? I just laughed. I'm like, I hear you. I said, he lost his entire line. Caden Blaschel, Kirkpatrick, Sanderson, Broxton Davis, the whole line is gone. All three playmakers are gone. You literally have Martin Tovar left on offense, and he did an excellent job with his 52 carries. He's got, he becomes the obvious choice to be the lead ball carrier. Brady Franzel slides into a role that's going to be very important again. After that, nobody knows what they have to refill, and that's a scary thing, which is why I said we know what Harbor Beach has. We know what Ubley has. We don't know what Sandusky has, and they are going to be young, and this is what they hope is a reload team, but numbers are down, and a lot of these kids, 
that last senior class was so heavy and so talented from when they were younger that a lot of these kids in this next class didn't have a lot of interest because they weren't as good as that unique class of how talented they were. So they're looking to find kids to fill very important roles in a hurry. And at least they had an off season and some summertime to get some of these kids working and put them in positions to learn because that's what it's going to take for this team to get back and compete and not be the third team in that race. You mentioned it, David. One of the things they don't have is numbers. This was a this was one of the the teams when I did my tour uh, around here on county that it was rumored that at one point uh, Sandusky wasn't going to have a junior varsity, and that still may be the case as the season plays out, which is unthinkable when you you think about a team that's had this kind of run of success over the last uh, you know ever since Coach Jacobson has taken over. They they've been a viable threat in the East, and they can barely attract enough players to field a, a varsity and a, and a junior varsity. But I think for, for me, hey, players come and go. We know that. They, they graduate, and you, you, you it's next man up. Coach Jacobson runs a, a, a program, uh, offense, that's very similar to Ubley uh, and other teams that run the wing tee. And that's where the wing tee really helps you. It's, it's, a, it's a simple an effective offense that you can it's next man in it but it does start on the line and they and they lost some great linemen but I, you know they're not going to try to reinvent the wheel here they're just going to try to put some guys in different positions and hopefully they're they're talented enough to step up it's a fundamentally sound offense you have to know how to block you have to understand where the play is going there may not be a ton of plays but as an offensive lineman you need to know a lot more than what those running backs do you have to understand how to block where to block you don't necessarily have to pancake the guy you just got to get him off balance enough for that running back to hit a little gap and you get your three yards and that is all you need to do so yes that is to their advantage and that coaching staff that coach Jacobson's coach Jacobson has the learning tree that he came from I fully expect this team to be very competitive however he's got two orange and black schools that are going to be a pain in his neck this year and does, is there a coach and a team that could pull it off? Absolutely, this team but could do I, it. I think this is going to be the third team in that conversation with mm-hmm. Marlette rapidly improving to m- maybe put their hat in the ring to to be in that Greater Thumb East title picture. So here's a Vegas over-under bet that you can make your bets. So last year, Sandusky threw the ball once in week number four, <laughs> and then they gave it up for Lent all the way through week number 10. And then the total, Sandusky threw the ball seven times last year. Will Sandusky throw more than seven passes or less than seven passes in 2021? I say more because I think they're going to be trailing in some games and they're going to have to find a way to make up uh, make up some po- some uh, some points. It, it absolutely goes against, I think, everything <laughs> that Craig Jacobs and, and his staff talks about at Thanksgiving dinner, but I, I do think that number is over, but it might be eight. Eight, yeah. <laughs> Maybe nine, still in single digits. We'll see. Uh, go to FanDuel, uh, new sponsor of the Sports Radio 1021. <laughs> No, so Sandusky <laughs> starts out on the road at Sagan Novell at Marlette before returning home to host KPAC, Badax, and Harbor Beach before going back to Ubley, Brown City, then returning home from Memphis and then host are at the Reese Rockets in week number nine. And coverage for the Sandusky Redskins week number five on Sports Radio 1021 with Harbor Beach at Sandusky on Sports Radio 1021 and WLWSports.com. We've talked about it a lot, I know, but I'm just kind of going to repeat some things here. When you take a look at the losses of Sandusky, they lost their left guard, they lost their right guard, 
They lost their right tackle. They lost their left tackle. The only returning lineman on this squad, aside from the tight ends, is Corey Lampson, the center and defensive tackle, the only returning starting offensive lineman. He's now a 5'11", 205-pound junior. You got Brady Franzel, running back, starting linebacker, last year, 6'180 pounds. Martin Tovar, of course, 5'11", 180 pounds and a senior. 52 carries, 608 yards, and four touchdowns. The third leading rusher on the team. He's the key returner. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Brady Franzel, wasn't he the quarterback originally? Then an injury brought Lucas Feehan uh, Matt in. Matt Carlson. Oh, it was Carlson. Carlson okay. was the quarterback, and then, of course, he got injured and kind of made a switch. And then Lucas Feehan kind of filled in that position. Matt Carlson went to tight end and uh, seemed to really mesh well. Absolutely. Hence the six passes in two weeks. Oh, that Lucas Feehan did bring uh, a little bit more of an edge as the quarterback keeper. He did excel at that and really ran the offense well, and he did do a great job finishing up that season. But uh, there's there's just so many missing pieces or question marks on this team. It's hard for me to get excited until we see them. In my opinion, you kind of stole the thunder a little bit, but that Week 2 game against Marlette doesn't sound you know, real exciting, but that's, that's a very important game. game. That's going to tell us where the Great Athamese is going to go this it, year. It's going to tell us if Marlette or Sandusky is going to compete with the Ublies and the Harbor Beaches this year. And we're going to go next to a commercial break. When we return, we'll take a look at the U-teams, Ubley in USA, leading this all the way up through 8.30. You're listening to Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com, the strong side on the WLW Sports Network. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side, back on the air for our two-hour preseason special, covering all things high school football in the Thumb of Michigan. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Paul P. Adams with you this evening, all the way till 9 o'clock this evening. Of course, the game of the week tomorrow, the season starts tomorrow, and we'll be on air at 6 p.m. on Sports Radio 1021, live and worldwide, of course, at WLWSports.com, Bad X at Harbor Beach. And speaking of the Harbor Beach Pirates, the rival of the Harbor Beach Pirates, the other orange and black team, or the other black and orange team, depending on what side of M19 you're on, the Ubley Bearcats, coached by Eric Sweeney, his second year and coming off a stellar year and making it all the way to the state championship before they lost to Centerville 22-0. Ubley ended up 9-2 in Eric Sweeney's first year as the head coach and marched. they lost to Harbor Beach in week number one. And then they blasted through the season and went on with nine straight victories, making it all the way to the state championship. And just talk about a great season. Finished 8-1, and one, losing in state championship 0-22, like I said. But one key thing here, before we, you know, five key losses here. Carson Holeski can't go, I mean, that's, that's a huge loss for any team. Carson Holeski, over 1,000 yards last year, 1,100 yards on 138 carries, 21 touchdowns. He comprised 35% of the rushing offense last year, in fact. But you also lose Levi Peruski, Nolan Van Erp, Austin Burke. But there are some key players here returning for the Ugly Bearcats. Evan Peruski, now a sophomore quarterback. Logan Mueller, Cal Sweeney, Cal Moberski, a lot of big names here. Let, let me just make one correction before my phone starts blowing up from yeah. the Ugly people. What, what did I mess up? They were 1-2 and two last ah, year. Ah, you're right. They were 1-2 and two with losses to Harbor Beach and, and Sandusky then ran the table. So I was trying to give him some credit here, I, right? I, I, you know, which I think even makes it makes last year even more improbable right. and unlikely. This is a 1-2 and two team that really didn't 
you know, wasn't look, playing very good, good, and all of a sudden nobody nobody would have thought they would have done what they what they were able to do, and especially with uh, having that uh, humongous break from November to, to January for this team to do what it did was was amazing. But uh, as always, go ahead and start, Dave. And well, I'll... well, let's let's start with this. Uh, Evan Peruski is, is a he's a heck of an athlete and as a sophomore like he is he is the heart and soul of this offense he is their leader already and you know 500 yards nine touchdowns on the ground 14 of 17 passing yes we are talking about the ugly bearcats 14 of 17 passing two tds he was very efficient he was very effective and every game that he played he made significant strides every single week and that is huge because as that quarterback you may not be asked to throw it much. You may not be asked to run it much, but you need to make sure that that fundamentally sound offense starts with you and runs through you. And he did an awesome job as a freshman, and he is going to be a privilege to watch as long as he can stay healthy. But there are two major players that they need to replace, and it's the heart and soul of their offense and their defense. And it starts with Carson Haleski running the footballs you mentioned, and it stops with Nolan Van Erp because that's, that's that's your linebacking core. That is your lead blocker on offense. Carson Haleski liked to run behind. And Austin Burke doesn't get any credit either at 6'7", but another offensive lineman missing. But if they can find somebody, not even on offense, somebody on defense to replace the middle of that defense – this team is extremely talented, and you don't have to wait until later for me to tell you who I think is going to win the East. I think it's the Albany Bearcats. This team is outstanding. They're still very well coached, and if you don't think some of these old veterans like like Coach Kaufman and Coach Bill Sweeney and Coach Becker aren't, aren't there helping and guiding, these kids love these coaches, and they are fundamentally sound. They are disciplined. They don't turn the ball over. They don't miss tackles. They and don't that's, commit penalties That's either. why this team wins. It's all about fun. Fundamentals. So they are going to ask guys like Colin Obersky to take the lead running back position and run. You are going to see uh, Mueller get some carries. You're going to see Matt Brandle get some carries. You're going to see Heilig get some carries. Who's hey, going to get the buckle? a couple names for me, will you? Who's going to get the... <laughs> I, I might have some connections here, Paul. Who's who is going to exceed in those roles? Who knows? But there are so many guys that are talented with and weaponry that defenses are going to have a hard time stopping them. Um, you go to these these losses. Offensively, doesn't hurt them as much as it does defensively. That's where this team's going to take a big step back defensively, and I think that was that was their strength last year. Ubley could flat out shut you down when they needed to get a stop. Haleski, Peruski, Haleski was the all thumb co defensive player of the year. He didn't win defensive player on his team. Levi Peruski won that. So that tells you the type of talent that Levi Peruski brought. Then you got Van Erp and, and Burke on, on both sides of the line. That is the defensively where they're going to miss them most. Offensively, I think this team might be. Uh, Maybe a, a tick better because, as you mentioned, Evan Peruski with another year in this offense, he's not going to carry this team. I know a lot of people think like this is this offense is going to go through Evan Peruski. It's not. Evan Peruski is another weapon in this offense, but he is not the focal point of this offense. They feature three really good running backs. This is a classic wing T team that is going to be able to mix it up, and you're going to see the likes of of Logan Mueller, Colin Oberski, and Mark Heilig, who 
in a just a brief glimpse on varsity last year showed what he's capable of. I think this kid could be spectacular. He's going to fill that uh, Carson Haleski void. Uh, you, you know, he's not going to be Carson Haleski. Let's be honest there. But he is a capable running back. And in this offense, there's no such thing as a featured back. It's what the defense is going to give you. And with these three running backs, I think you're going to see throughout the course of a year, all these guys at one point or the other are going to have that 120-yard, three-touchdown game. And then Evan Evan Peruski is going to get his. And that makes this offense just really a dangerous thing to uh, for, for a team to prepare for because uh, they can hit you in all, all sorts of different ways out of just the same formation. I know they don't typically have a lead back, but there's nobody going to question that Carson Oleski was well, the lead back, yeah, the featured obvious. back. However, I, I don't know if their offense is going to be better than last year, but they are going to be different and extremely effective because they may not have an 1,100-yard back. They may not have a guy that's going to score 20 touchdowns, but they're going to have a whole bunch of guys that have 750 yards and about 10 touchdowns apiece, and that's what's going to make them extremely dangerous. The defensive side, they, they only gave up 10 points a game, so if that slips a little bit to 12 or 14, they're still the best team. They're still the best team in the See? East. If, if that's all that that linebacking core of Carson Haleski, Nolan Vanner, Burke, Levi Peruski, if they can refill those guys that even do somewhat close what those guys do, that defense is still going to be nasty. What I see happening, Dave, in, in 10.8 points a game, I could see that going to 13 or 14 points a game, but I also see their 32.6-game uh, offense going up to perhaps 37 or 38 and I think offsets that loss of uh, what the defense is going to give up. I really believe that this offense is vastly improved. Or, or I, I, I do. I think this is a better offense, it's and deep, it's, it's going to be it's going to be what carries Ugly this year. Where they leaned on the defense last year, and the offense was good enough. The offense is really good, and they're going to have to lean on this offense to get things done throughout the course of the season. And hopefully the defense eventually catches up and makes up for the losses of some all-state players. Uh, I'll say it first. This this still may end up being the best defense in our oh, yeah. area. I know they're down from last year. I still think with their coaching and the way these kids play for these coaches and for that town, that, that defense might be just as good because – Eventually, that offense is going to put defense, uh, put other offenses in position where they're going to have to do things uncharacteristic. And I, I look at the East and I, I don't see enough depth. I think, I think there's going to be plenty of games where those offenses are going to rest. But whether it's 32 points a game or 37, I, I think it's irrelevant. I think the offense is really good. I think the defense is still pretty darn good because you can't walk in ugly and they don't pride themselves on the running game of their defense. So to, to say that that defense is going to be a little bit worse than last year, I'll give you that because they're losing a couple studs. Yeah, but I'm only. But saying- I think they're going to be. Real good. Still. You go from ten points to maybe thirteen points. That's still, still the a best tremendous team <laughs> defensive effort, you know. So I I do think they might give up a few more points, but they're going to score more. You think ten to thirteen points is different? Tell that to a field goal kicker, Paul. <laughs> I just I just don't see on their schedule where no where they're going to give up fourteen to thirteen points a game. I, I, just, I just don't see it. And here's a misleading stat for you, folks. This is this year is the first year since 2017 that Ubley has had the same coach in consecutive years. That's like I crazy. said, misleading misleading uh, stat there. Because you think about it, Eric Sweeney, 2020-2021. Before that, Bill Sweeney. Before that, Jim Becker. Before that, Dave Kaufman. 
yet it kind of feels like it's a little committee there and they're just taking their turns. Guess of, what? Uh, All the other guys you just mentioned will be in the booth well, exactly. uh, Friday night it, against such the USA. A, a core of coaches there that are so talented and have so much pedigree in that Ubley program. It doesn't really, I mean, Eric Sweeney, of course, at the helm now moving this program forward i think they, it's they got great things going they forward. don't try to reinvent the wheel this is all this is all you can trace all, this whole lineage right back to jerry hurt this is this is what he instilled in in guys like bill sweeney and jim becker and they've just continued to do that throughout the the coaching tree and that's what makes ugly such a consistent program they they have a system that works why why would you do anything else and speaking of programs with consistency, or at least a pedigree of program, the USA Patriots, our final team here in the Great Earth Conference that we're covering tonight, uh, Josh Hahn in his fifth year already as the head coach for the USA Patriots, going 20-17 and 17 over that time in the Great Earth West. Last year, they went 5-3 and three altogether, losing to Ubley in overtime in the playoffs, 14-20. to 20. They beat Marlette 57-14 to 14 the week before that. And they are losing 12 to graduation, including nine offensive starters and seven defensive starters. Uh, this is a long list here. Connor Gettle, quarterback, also was fullback before Ethan Engelhart went down with an injury. Walker Foley, Keegan Bixman, Daniel Krzyzewski, Kirkland Krzyzewski, Evan Voles, Justin Hunt, Jikim Nimtz, all off the team due to graduation. That leaves, what, Braylon Ballard, Noah Crum, Sam Cook, uh, Cook, there's still some talent there, but, man, you're losing some key cogs there in USA's offense and defense. And this is a roster that is razor thin. They This is the, the team that is not starting with a JV, probably won't have a JV. Maybe they'll pick up some, some eight-player uh, JV games on Saturdays. So they're running out 23, but in all reality, it's 14 or 15 because out of that 23 – there's some freshmen and sophomores that just, I mean, their their experience is going to be in practice and very limited game experience. Uh, talking to Coach Han, he really likes what he has as far as starters on the field. He said, you know, in the story that I wrote, uh, uh, I love our first nine to, to 11 guys, but after that, it's how long can we sustain it. So what they're going to put on the field for their starters is going to be really, really good. But there's just not a lot there to back them up. And as we know, no team's probably been hit harder by the injury bug than USA. It, it just – last year is another perfect example of just freak injuries that happen to this team. So, you know, Coach Han is very well aware of it. They're hoping they have a um, you know, injury-free season because they really have to. But they're on the razor's edge of they could be good, but they have to be healthy. Um, I'll let Dave talk about the returnees because I know he's chomping at the bit. But uh, that, just to give you some kind of insight on what the you know what the feeling is all around the program, it's it's optimistic, but at the same time, um, 23 players total on this roster uh, does not leave a whole lot of room for error. Well, USA is to the west. What we just talked about, Sandusky is to the east. Does it not sound like the same thing? They yeah. lost. 90% of everything that they had on both sides of the football, special teams, you name it, they're all gone. So there's so many question marks, so many unknowns that as much chaos and, and, and question marks and puzzle pieces that Coach Jacobson has to put together, Coach Hahn is doing the same thing in the West. So a team that's been quite solid, always respectable, this team competes, I fully expect that'll happen. But again, we're looking at a team that we know what it was, we know what it lost, what is next? Who is going to replace Connor Gettle? No one. Connor Gettle is a special talent. Walker Foley had had 
double-digit touchdowns last year. He, you know, he probably had somewhere in the area about 800 yards. These are guys that I don't know where that replacement comes from, and it's going to have to be a team effort. It's going to have to be a group effort. Some of these sophomores are probably going to get in at some point, are going to get some reps, which is a great sign for the future. But this year I have a lot of question marks. But one thing we can say, Braylon Ballard is a top athlete in this area, and he is going to be the vocal point of the offense, but every defense knows that too. So hopefully guys like Noah Crum can step up. We know Sam Cook and Dakota Miller are going to hold down some of the line and the end positions. But after that, there's going to be some new faces, new guys carrying the football. There's a lot of pieces that you have to put together to make this puzzle look right, work right, and make this motor run. Coach Hahn... He's he can handle it. He's a good coach, and he gets kids to play, and that's very important. So I do think this team will be very good in a very deep and not top heavy version of the West, where anybody could win. There's three, four teams that are going to compete for this West championship. Uh, one of the question marks is that quarterback. Obviously, Connor Gettle was not your prototypical quarterback, but I thought he did a really, oh, did really a great job. fine job filling in. Uh, during the preseason, it was a three-player race between Sam Beagle, Landon Russell, and Drake Myers. It sounded like Landon Russell has an inside track on being the quarterback, but uh, Coach Han really likes all three of those players. And whoever doesn't get that role is, you know, between those guys, the other two are going to play vital roles in this offense. It's not like they're going to be on the sideline. I didn't get quarterback. I'm not playing. <laughs> trust me, Coach Han's going to find roles for the guys that, that that don't get it. But again, if if they do suffer an injury at quarterback, they had a three player race for it. So you know there there are some options there for for USA. And what I love about that is the two guys that do not become the quarterback have now learned the offense inside now. It's solid staple on that. Absolutely. So if they turn out to be the two and number two and number three running backs, if they end up maybe throwing somebody out wide once in a while, these guys understand where the play is going, how it's going to happen, who's blocking where, and where where they're going to attack on a defense. Being a quarterback is a very big deal, and that's like Connor Gettle is a special guy to slide back into that role and do such a good job and that really kept that team above water last year and a lot of credit for that but at least these guys are getting important reps that's going to lead to being intelligent being in the right place at the right time being that fundamentally sound that makes usa competitive year in and year out i think what's overlooked is you talk about treading water this team played ugly in overtime last year at Ubley and was a fourth and two away from winning that game with one of the gutsier calls you'll see out of Coach Sweeney. If USA won that game, they they would have they would have had Ubley's path through the through the playoffs. There's no reason to think that USA wouldn't have been in an Ubley spot down at Ford Field. That's how good that USA team was last year. When their quarterback went out though, it was Oh boy, that's it! And Connor Gettle completely said, "I got this, guys." And yet, yes, other guys. And he brought Walker a new, he brought a new aspect at quarterback. He was an athlete. Well, when you put arguably the most talented player at quarterback, it changes because is he going to throw it? Is he going to run it? Is he going to? He could do anything. And it wasn't just which way is he tend to run. We can stop that area. Now it's he could do anything, and it brought a whole new dimension to that offense. And Coach Hahn and the rest of that team evolved so fast and became so competitive down the stretch. That just goes to show you this team has the ability to do that with a whole summer's worth of work put in. Now, of course, Braylon Ballard getting the brunt of the load here to carry the offense. Last year, he was the leading rusher with 951 yards on 97 carries. 
and nine scores. That's a 9.8 yard per carry average. Not bad. Not bad. I'd take that in my fantasy team if I played fantasy. Uh, Noah Crum, 5'11", 185-pound senior now, fullback, cornerback, uh, 45 carries, 238 yards last year and five scores. He really, when Connor Gettle stepped into the quarterback position, Noah Crum stepped up into that third slot in the wing tee. Uh, so he has certainly a lot of uh, experience there. Sam Cook, Dakota Miller on the line there. I, there's still some pieces here that USA is certainly going to be strong. Josh Hahn, of course, has that program in great strides and great direction. And frankly, Dave, I'm just relieved last year. Josh Hahn was starting to really hate when we started to show up games because he thinks that there was a radio curse on him. And, and frankly, <laughs> he had he had some merit to it because I'm pretty sure he was winless in his first four or three and a half seasons whenever we showed up, including two losses last year against Cassidy, against Lakers, both heartbreaking losses there. But when they went into Harbor Beach, they blew out Harbor Beach, shut him down, running clock, the curse is broken. The Great Bambino is no longer the, the issue here. Move on, and we'll have him on the radio back-to-back weeks in Week 6 and 7, Lakers at USA, and then USA at Cass City. So you're saying he doesn't mind us if it's on the road? Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Okay. So Unless we'll, it's at Ubley where he hasn't won. He's never won at Ubley. Not many people do. No. Yeah. All right, it's time for a short break. When we return, it's time for predictions. We'll put Paul P. Adams and Dave Hansen head-to-head. I might even jump in. We'll see. I run this show, so I might not have to. It's time for a short break. We have 20 minutes left of The Strong Side right here on Sports Radio 1021. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021. We're down to our final 16 minutes of our preseason two-hour special with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Paul P. Adams, and now it's time for predictions. As we'll pretty much put Paul Adams and Dave Hansen head-to-head here, and then you, our listeners, get the pleasure of yelling at them and scolding them for the next nine weeks when they have one little detail wrong. That's how this works. All right, so uh, let's see. Uh, based on well, so Doug Cole won. Uh, yeah, Paul P. Adams is wearing a Mr. T t-shirt today that says uh, prediction pain. That's all it is. Yes. Anywho, it's been a pain to look at. Uh, so the, the media round table has been won by Doug Cole the previous two years. Dave Hansen, you came in third, I do believe, behind Dan Banky. But very last, tied with Clark Ramsey, who doesn't make predictions, was Paul P. Adams. I haven't won a game in two years. So, why don't we let Dave go first with his <laughs> predictions, followed by Paul. Sure. Where, where do you want me to start? Uh, let's start out with the Greater Than West. Sounds good. All right. So, it is the wild, wild west, right? Yes. This is this is crazy. It's a coin of phrase. I, I, I completely believe that there are five teams that could win the West. Uh, I'm going to go with a, a team that has uh, an excellent quarterback, maybe the best quarterback around. Um, total upside play uh, here. You're taking my. I'm going with the Reese Rockets. I know we didn't get to cover them, but uh, I, I, that's the team that I've been hearing as well before you said that uh, is the team to beat. And in second, I got to go with the team with the biggest upside and maybe the best defense in the West. Uh, give me the Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers. 
Uh, I have um, the defending champs, Cassidy, and then Badax in that order. And because ba- Badax's schedule scares me, it is—it's like the Detroit Lions' schedule. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> they are going to have to play so good week in and week out to win that uh, on that schedule. They have maybe two layup games. Otherwise, they have to earn the rest. And then I have the USA Patriots fifth. And then after that, I wrote the word irrelevant. <laughs> Uh, that's accurate. Those are your big five right there. So you're saying Vassar and Carroll are not going to be competing for the Griffin West Championship. That's correct. Take your complaints to Dave Hansen. All right, Paul P. Adams, what's your predictions for the West? Same. Uh, wow, that's same, original. Same, except uh, I, I switched USA and Bad Axe. Um, Reese, when I went around and talked to every coach in the area, every single one of them unsolicited said Reese, 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 Reese. Uh, they believe that Reese is is not only the up and comer, but the the favorite. And I know that's you know it's kind of crazy to think that with Cassidy and the run that Cassidy's been on. But uh, Reese did vastly improve throughout the course of last season, and just uh, by all accounts, that is the team to beat. Uh, again, Lakers, I have as a runner up. Wouldn't be surprised if they. If they were able to beat Reese. Not at all. Uh, but such an unknown with that offense right now. So that's kind of why I slotted Lakers at number two. I slotted Bad Axe at number five because, like Dave said, that schedule is absolutely brutal uh, for them. And it's not a slight to them because I think I think these five teams are, are all good. You know, One thing we haven't talked about, and we have a little time, playoff. The playoff um, format has changed uh, this playoffs? year. Yes. Don't yes. talk about playoffs. You kidding the, me? The playoff format playoffs? has. Thanks, Jim. I just hope we can win a game. Thanks, Jim. Uh, the playoff format has gone to kind of an old-school points-based uh, format. There's still, I think, the same amount of teams going to get in, but six wins no longer guarantees you in. So a, a team like Bad Axe could go four and five, but a strength and schedule could put them in the playoffs. So I think that is a very important thing that we have to note, that six wins no, autom- no longer automatically qualifies you for the playoffs. And everybody is in a set division as we speak. Cass City's in Division 8 this year, guys. Uh, so that could shake things up as well. I completely agree. And I'm not surprised that we had recent Lakers at the top. There's a little more predictability there. The other three, I'm not saying Cass City can't show us. I mean, normally I'm up. You're the best team until somebody beats you. Cass City has way too many question marks for my liking. Bad X Hatchets are very young. They're going to start in their most important positions, juniors. Um, again, do I think they could showcase and win this division? I absolutely do. But, man, they are going to have to be healthy. They're going to have to be disciplined. They are going to have to play very good football right out of the gate because there is not a, a gimme schedule or a gimme game on that schedule other than, again, I don't know what Carroll and Vassar has. They have not been good the last couple of years. I'm anticipating more of the same. Outside of that, USA's not going to lay down. Cass City's not going to lay down. These are some teams that they're going to have to play week in and week out. And if you get off to a bad start, it could be a downhill snowball effect real fast for any one of these teams. Here's my prediction for the West. Lakers, one, and then uh, Reese, number two. But then beyond that, Lakers will have one loss, winning the greater than West. Reese will have two losses, and then there'll be a whole slew with three losses. I think you're going to see uh, Bad X USA. Even Carroll will come in and surprise someone out there. And I think it's just going to be a revolving door. Big Ten beating each other up so no one gets to the playoff except Ohio State's situation a little bit there. But I think it's going to be Lakers, Reese, and then kind of everyone else beating up on each other. Dave Hansen, let's switch over to the Greater Thumb East. Uh, with the Greater Thumb East, as a... Uh 
we kind of already tipped our hand here. I, I don't think anybody is is uh, going to skip the Ugly Bearcats. They are the best team in the East and arguably the best team in our area. They are going to be the team that uh, everyone's going to be gunning for. Uh, just too good. Uh, sophomore quarterback, yes, they lost two very important pieces, uh, three or four, I guess three really important pieces. Another offensive lineman, obviously important. I just I love this coaching staff. I love the foundation, the, the, the historicals, what they do week in and week out. They're letting that quarterback throw the ball a couple times. I love that. It just is another wrinkle that defenses have to think about. This team, to me, is going to be deeper than last year. Maybe not individually as potent, but they might have three, four guys that absolutely excel, could be first-teamers in the backfield. This team is very deep compared to last year talent-wise, and I think that's going to make them impossible to stop. Uh, I have the Harbor Beach Pirates in second followed by Sandusky and then Marlette. And then after that, um, I'll let you guys decide. But I, I think Marlette could be sneaky. Um, Sandusky obviously could be good, but there is so much going on there that we don't know about. There's so many unknowns. It makes it too hard to predict them any better than third. You want a, you want a prediction? Let's hear it. You want a prediction? Ubley's going undefeated, 9-0. and 9-0. There's not a game on that schedule they're going to lose if, if, obviously, health is the most important thing that, that can prevent them from going 9-0. and They're going to run the table in the East. They're And USA and Badax are their non-conference games. I'm saying right now, this team is the most talented team that we have in Heron County. It might be the most talented team that that, that the Greater Thumb Conference has as a whole. It's the it's the most complete team that that I, I think we have in the Greater Thumb Conference. Now, I don't know a ton about Reese. I know Reese is super talented, but... Uh, you know, I know what you what Ubley has, and I know what their potential is. And Dave, you brought up a great word. Of, I think you said foundation. I think was the word you used. And 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 I'd I, like to believe I used a lot of good words, Paul. So yeah, but there was one, one that really stood out to me. But I love that foundation, and and that and that. It, it, there's so many things that form that foundation. It, is, it starts with that coaching staff. It starts with uh, you know toughness. This t- year in, year out. To me, there's no team that's tougher than Ubley. And they showed that when Ubley got out of the area and started playing the likes of Flint Beecher and Carson City Crystal, Johannesburg Lewiston, they were flat out tougher than those teams. That they, they those teams had no idea what hit them. I mean, Ubley's biggest test was right here at home against USA in the playoffs. From there, it was pretty clear sailing. Uh, up until Centerville, of course, which was a fantastic team. So, you know, it's that foundation of toughness. Every year, they might not be the most athletically gifted or talented, but they are tough, and toughness matters, and they're fundamentally sound. Like we said earlier, they don't commit penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They just don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. Uh, does, so, does, does, so, so, you, so you have Ubley. I got Ubley. Okay. Yep. Hey, you wanted a prediction. Yeah, I gave no, you, you one. You gave me one. And we got some time to let it breathe yeah, here. Uh, Harbor Beach, number two, okay. runner up. Sandusky. Marlette, which I think Marlette, look out. Marlette could win a game or two. They're not supposed to. They could come up and sneak up on, on a Sandusky or a Harbor Beach there. I think, you know, again, talking to uh, Coach Shelke and Coach Sweeney, they've really uh, keeping their eye open uh, for Marlette. Brown City. Another wild card team this year. They're switching to a spread offense, so you know, kind of a, you know, one of those things you're going to have to pre- prepare for that you don't always see. So Brown City, I got as number five, and then K-Pack in Memphis. 
take your take your pick. Well, we're all kind of in agreement on that. The greater thumb east, that's for sure. I have a pretty much exactly the same. I have Ubbly, Harbor Beach, Marlette, Sandusky, and Brown City tying for fourth. Sandusky and Brown City tying for fourth. Memphis and K-Pack rounding out six and seven. All right, folks, that's our predictions. And remember, you can uh, mail your complaints to Dave and Paul throughout the entire season. I think be the sure to remind team's them. team's going to be complaining about me right now, putting that kind of pressure on them. <laughs> oh, the pressure of Paul P. Adams. Watch out. You All right, what? let's. Uh, we got five minutes left here. Let's go through week one, uh, the schedule. We'll start out in A-player football. Genesee at Mayville. Mayville lost a lot. They were the team last year in, the, in certain sectors of the NCTL division, uh, but they lost a lot. I think they'll take care of Gen- Genesee, just no problem. Oh, we don't got to make our predictions now, uh, no, we? no, well, well, We're going to do this tomorrow. These don't matter. Flint International at Morris. <laughs> the Phoenix against the Orioles. Kingston at New Haven. give it away. Kingston at New Haven Merritt on Friday. Uh, North Huron at Burton Atherton on Thursday. And then CPS at Bay City All Saints. Caseville at Ashley. Akron Fairgrove at Peck. And then Deckerville at Oakland Christian and Auburn Hills. Any of those games stand out to you, fellas? Uh, the North Huron Atherton game stands out because that's one of one of two uh, crossover games for North Huron. I think a good way to start the season, kind of see where they are, get a little stiffer test before they get into the a very winnable stripes division. Uh, outside of that, interesting, interested to see what Mayville's got. Morris has been a state powerhouse, but you know these teams. The, we talked about it early in the broadcast. These eight player teams, you lose one or two guys, and it just changes the the scope of your whole team so it's really the eight player game outside of the area I can't really make any predictions about uh, what we're going to see. The intriguing games for me and you kind of were already going down that road is is for me is Morris and Deckerville and and North Huron and the reason being is they have been the cream of the crop the last handful of years there's a lot more question marks than what we're used to so I'd like to see what kind of start they get off to I'm not saying they're going to lose these games I think they win all three of them but how do they do it how do they look how does their defense look are they scoring points questions that I'm looking to get answered week one right out of the gate to see if any of those eight player teams kind of restake their claim as being a team that's going to make a run and look look out for a Genesee Genesee put up uh, some points and really kind of came on at the end of the year so you just you never know about a team like Genesee what they got coming in and it's a pretty big area that uh, they they can draw from so you never know who who might have transferred in from another team. On to 11-player football. Of course, we will not be taking your predictions tonight, fellas. Between the, for the media round table, of course, you'll have to tune in about 6.20, 6.25 tomorrow for the media round table before kicking off Bad Axe and Harbor Beach. But Bad Axe and Harbor Beach are one of the three Greyertham Conference crossover games taking place this week. USA at Ubley on Friday, and then Reese at Marlette on Friday as well. I love this opening stretch. Um, it's been like this... Obviously, last year was was uh, a little bit different, but I always get an opportunity to see four teams in two nights with Bad X Harbor Beach playing on Thursday and Ubley USA electing to play on Friday. So I'll be in attendance for both of those games. Very much looking forward to seeing both of those games. Think it's going to answer a lot of questions. That Reese Marlette game's sneaky good too, because um, we're talking about. You know, Reese, we all tabbed them as the favorites. Well, you didn't, Clark, but Dave and I tabbed, I work in pigeon. tabbed them as the favorites. Uh, and Marlette is an up-and-comer. So, very interesting game there. Sandusky, Nouvelle. Never know what Nouvelle's got from year to year. Um, and we think Sandusky has lost quite a bit. You, you, you nailed it right on. Uh, to me, the most intriguing game uh, is Reese and Marlette because we want to know, can, can Marlette hang around? And is Reese as good as what the whispers have been? The whispers have gotten louder. 
Are they as good as what we think they can be? Are they going to carry over that momentum from last year? And, of course, I'm going to have my eye on USA Ubly because we want to know what USA is going to look like. We expect Ubly at home to get off to an outstanding start. But if that game gets a little close, maybe USA is better than advertised. Maybe they can showcase themselves as the best team in the West. Well, our old pal Mike Gallagher will have eyes on Reese Marlette and uh, Brown City, uh, Burton Bendel in the first week. So we'll get to get to know a little bit about those teams. And the Greater Thumb Conference non-divisional, non-crossover games, we have Sandusky at Saginaw Burton Bendel at Brown City, Memphis at Burton Bentley. Moving on, New Haven at KPAC, and then Lakers at Flint Beecher on Thursday at 7, Cass City at Millington, Bertrand at Carroll, and Otisville Lakeville at Vassar. That Cass City Millington game and Lakers Flint Beecher are the two that are sticking oh, out to I me. I wish that Cass City Millington game was last year. I really do. You know, with Cass City losing so much, I just don't know what they have. And Millington, I, I still think, is a very, very good powerhouse type team. And, and you mentioned Flint Beecher. That's always interesting because that's typically a team that our Division 8 teams run into at some point. They usually are. A, 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 it's usually a, a what do we look at regional game. Typically, yeah, it was uh, regional championship. For usually, last year. and that's usually when we catch them. Whatever team gets out of the region. Of course, that is going to wrap things up for our two-hour preseason special of The Strong Side, featuring Clark Ramsey, Paul P. Adams from the Huron County View, and Dave Hansen in-game analysis for the W out the W Sports Network. We'll be on air tomorrow, Thursday, at 6 p.m. for our pre-game show between the Bad Axe Hatchets and the Harbor Beach Pirates in week number one of the 2021 season. The Strong Side is presented all season long by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, Thumb Bank and Trust, Thompson Chevrolet of Ubley, and Wolverine Auto Brokers of Bad X, and Sure Health. Better health, better life, are you sure? We'll see you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.